Hi friends, welcome to the Trauma Tapes. I'm Dr. MC McDonald, a PhD trauma researcher and life coach. It is my goal in life to reframe the way that we understand trauma. And I think if we want to understand trauma, we need more stories, more examples, an archive of trauma stories. But not just an archive where someone lays their story down for posterity and walks away, an archive that gives them something back, some attunement, some empathy, a reframe, integration, maybe some little piece of knowledge or understanding so that they walk away feeling like the thing that makes the least sense in their lives makes just a little more sense. This podcast is that archive. I'm here with my sister, Elizabeth Meadows. Each week, we read your letters and give you information and advice about how to understand and demystify your experiences and symptoms so that you can heal without shame. So pull up a chair, grab a coffee, and join us. Hello. How Hi. Are you doing? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> good. What's we, going on? We're talking about ranting and what to rant about. And we want to rant about why everyone is so cranky in December. <laughs> I don't get it. I, I really like, if you don't, I don't know. I, I, some, there's part of me that blames that on that. Every communication that you get right now is like, yeah. time is running out. Like even <laughs> if you're not buying what they're selling or you're not interested, just the, the fact that that's the message in for everything is like, so I don't know. I think it like puts people over the edge, you know, it does. It does. Only two days left. Final days. This is right. my inbox right now. Yeah. Time is running it's like, out. That's, that's a, the, it's a great point. This is a collective like message in the world right now. And it's like, it makes people nutty. It makes them like angry. Like they drive differently. They yeah, treat yeah, each yeah. other differently. Yeah. Um, you know, where I work, like people who are doing things that are not even related to the holidays are like, all of a sudden they, they have to like do so like buy a bathing suit, even though that's yeah. not what we're doing, but it's like, you know, in Boston when it's freezing, it's like, why do you have to do this now? Like, this is not, everything is urgent. Like everything is urgent. That you have, you're just like, I have to do this right now. Ah. Right. Right. I it's keep so laughing because it's, it is so interesting. It's like, and I feel this this year more than at any other year. And I think, I think other people do too. It's like, as soon as the Thanksgiving switch flipped, everyone was like, it's the holidays. <laughs> right, right. Happy holidays. And you're just like, whoa, like, what are we doing? Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder if people are making up for, you know, the past couple of holidays where they, you know, they couldn't do things or didn't feel that they could move about the world as, um, as freely as they do now. I, I, I don't know. It's like, it seems like extra right now for some reason. It does. It does. I feel I've been thinking so much. I, I go in and out of thinking about this. I think I've talked about on the podcast before of this idea of like how we don't, we don't value ease. Ease isn't a value in our culture. And I think that's really disturbing. And I think if, if we could just go there a little bit, 10% of the time, the world would be a better place. Like what if, what if you actually valued ease? What would that even framed- look like? You know, things up like that, like that you approach instead of approaching the the pandemic with the or the pandemic, the um, holidays with this like frantic energy, you were just like, hmm, okay, it's the end of the year. We've got some things going on. We have some days off. We have some things to celebrate. How do I want to do that this year? Right. Instead of I have to do the exact same thing as last year and blah, 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 blah. We didn't get to do it during the pandemic. And so now I got to do it 10 times as badly. 
I don't know. Right. We only value urgency and productivity instead of like ease. That's a good point. I just want like, just, I don't know. Ease. Ease as a value. I like that. Right? Yeah. I need like a tattoo that says ease. I know. I know. Remember dad used to always say easy. <laughs> yeah, but level. he would say it like with level. his teeth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's because we would be like clearing the plates with and like doing a dance with the plates as we were going to the, you know, we'd be like level. <laughs> oh my God. Easy. Did he say that too? Yeah, I think so. That sounds like him. That's so yeah. funny. And I get it. Like people have, there's a lot of competing stuff at the, that are, we were talking about this last week on the podcast when it came to like Thanksgiving, there's a lot of competing desires that happen at the same time. And so you don't know how to reconcile that, but like, just maybe take five minutes a day and, and do nothing. And I don't know. Try not to get caught up in the, in the wave of chaos, you know? Yeah. 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 Which is so difficult. It's so difficult. And that's, I was just thinking, I was just wondering, like, is that even possible? Because when it's the collective movement, it's hard to just opt out. What does that look like? You'd have to like sequester yourself. Cause this stuff comes up, like, even if you, I don't have a lot of energy around the holiday right now at all, but I go to the grocery store and I'm amped afterwards. Cause everyone is just like the audacity of people to take up space right now. It's fascinating to me. You know, you a, <laughs> what do you mean? Like, <laughs> You have like a, this happened like 12 times yesterday in like a 20 minute period. And I was trying to go to the grocery store and get back before I had like my next thing, which mm-hmm. totally should have been possible. But then the the time got crunched because there'd be someone like in a small grocery store aisle diagonal with yeah. their cart in the aisle, like moving at like 0.5 miles an hour to try to decide which of the 17 quinoa is the one that they wanted. And it's like, you are you there are 4000 people in the grocery store right now for whatever reason because it's like right. two o'clock in the afternoon and everyone needs stuff in this aisle and you are just like gonna spend 15 entire minutes <laughs> right clogging up the whole thing or walking down the middle of the sidewalk at a snail's pace when you could easily walk to one side or the other because you but can hear, you can feel the people behind you but you don't do any you know uh, but that's like, uh, we know people like that. There are people that like are completely unaware of what is going on around them. Are they, or do they just, <laughs> are they just like entitled to the like, are they, <laughs> I don't know. I see it. Uh, I see it all day, every day, all the time. It's, um, this like main, it's fascinating main character actually. and all these fools are like side characters. So I get to walk down the middle of the street. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's like a, maybe it's a better way to move about the world. Cause I feel like I move about the world. Like, Oh boy. Okay. She's, you know, yeah, no, I, I'm going to die. You know, <laughs> right. Apologizing for my presence and I'm a, you know, let, let me get out of the way. And you know, I don't know, maybe they're onto something, you know, there's, um, we got to meet but, in the middle. We should, we should get, we should have like a conference and have like these two <laughs> groups of people come together and be like, all right, we got to strike a balance here. You fools are taking up too much space. You fools are taking too little. What do we do? I, I, this is, I, this is going to be controversial, but like, <laughs> I don't understand why people bring like 42 people with them to the grocery store. Like, yeah. What, do you need all that input? Like, can't you, you just make a list at home and have one person go? Like, I don't like... <laughs> There's 15 kinds of quinoa. I need 15 people. We need to have a poll. 
And I, I yeah. get it when parents have to take their children because of your childcare issues. I, you know, I get that. But sometimes it's like, really? Like, why? It's like your extended family and your grandmother and your, yeah. Right. And but maybe this is the thing. So like we, we like have ease about the holiday, but then you go to the grocery store and it all goes away. Yeah. So we need to do low. this as a culture. We need to like decide, you know. I think, well, I texted you last night. I think I just want to go to an island and uh, in December and have things delivered. I think that's the only answer. December. <laughs> you know what I worry about actually is that the the hardest week for me is that week after Christmas. Oh, really? Yeah. Because this stuff is like, at least there's energy and like anger and irritation in this time. But like that, that's like a dark, lonely, sad week. Yeah. It's like coming down from a and again, even if you're not doing anything, everyone else is coming down. So the whole world feels like, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like letting the air out of something. Yeah. I don't like that. It's crazy. It's crazy how there's like a, like a vibe, you know? Yeah. Energy. Yeah, totally. Yeah. 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 And yeah. everyone gets and, swept up in it. Yeah. And I think we should think about that. Like we should, you know, when we talk about ethics, we often talk about these like big decisions to make, like, is this the right thing or is this the wrong thing? And it's like, well, what about, how about like how you are operating in the world and how that's impacting other people? That would change the world. Right. When you take your irritation or your whatever to the grocery store, you're enacting it on everybody else. And some, some amount of that is impossible to, to get away from, but like we could at least think about it. Just be aware of it. Yeah. How is my way of being impacting other people's way of being anyway? Yep. So that's the rant. <laughs> that is the rant. That's a good one. We have how many nice. days left? Nine. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We have a letter about snooping shame. Oh, snooping. This is fun. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It says, uh, dear trauma tapes. First of all, I'm so glad you're back. I loved the first season of the podcast, and I was so excited to hear about season two. When mm-hmm. I saw you were doing shame this season, I absolutely had to write in. This one is embarrassing. I snooped. I'm not a snooper. I really believe in the importance of privacy. And I think that if someone is hiding something, it almost always comes out in the wash anyway. But I'm in a relationship where things are a bit ambiguous, and he's been acting really strange. Over a couple of weeks span, I became completely convinced that he had someone else he was talking to, and given the very first opportunity to snoop, I did. The shocking thing? I found absolutely nothing. As soon as I realized that I was wrong, I immediately felt a waterfall of shame that has not stopped. I didn't tell him, and I don't think he knows, but I don't know what to do with the shame. Every time I think about it, I cringe. It sounds extreme, but I don't know who I am anymore. Am I going to do this all the time? What was the plan if I did find something? Was there a part of me that was almost disappointed that I didn't help? Oh man. Okay. There's a lot here. Do you notice? And I think I bet if we track this now, it's going to happen in every single letter that the person always says, like what's, what's at stake here is their identity. I don't know who I am anymore. I don't know who I am. She said in the beginning, I am not someone who snoops. Right. Right. Like, why do we take it to that level? Do we do that with everything? I don't think so. That's what makes it shame, right? Right. That's right, not, right, right, that's right, not, right. I did something that's, I am, I'm bad. I am. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny. Cause I think like, and I mean this, like, uh, I feel like, I feel like I know the letter writer. I don't, but I feel like I know the letter writer. Cause they're like a listener. 
you know? Um, yeah. But like, I, I want to be, I want to kind of push back in a funny way where she says like, I'm not someone who snoops. And it's like, well, you are. You did. It's okay. You did. Right. right. And it's like, that's, that doesn't have to mean you are bad. Right. Or that you're going to be doomed to doing this forever. Right. Clearly there was like a, a pattern that, that made you reach for this behavior. What do you think about snooping? <laughs> I I feel like I share too much. So <laughs> <laughs> disclosure is a very helpful tool. <laughs> I know, but I feel like every episode doesn't need to be me like, you know, revealing my <laughs> deepest, darkest secrets. I, I think it's universal. I think, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know anyone who hasn't done that in yeah. certain situations, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think what's more important is to figure out is to not go down the road of I'm a bad person and I'm always going to do this, but just try to answer the question of why did I feel the need to do this in in this situation? Yeah. I'm convinced the more we talk about it, that the shame is almost always a shield that's high. That's keeping you from something else. Right. That you're scared of. And that seems it's a weird shield because it's a painful one to have, but it protects you from all these other questions at the end. Yeah. What do you think about snooping? I mean, I get the same as you. I think it's universal. I think it's something we should notice when we find ourselves even compelled to do it because there's an indi- like that's an indicator of light itself. Right. Um, and that in- indicator isn't necessarily that that there's something wrong with the relationship or the whatever. It's just like something is up. It could have nothing to do with the relationship. I think sometimes we project stress into a relationship that does, it's not coming from there at all. Yeah. You know? Um, But I think it's, it's not only is it universal, but I think it's also gotten a lot easier because we have devices and we're all communicating in all of these, these permanent ways or semi-permanent ways that we can go back and read emails and you can read text messages and you can, you know, and it happens accidentally. Sometimes people pick up something and it's, you know, there's a note in there that they didn't expect and, and whatever. But I think I don't honestly know why people freak out so much about it. I think usually that's another indicator light, you know, like if let's say the letter writer had found something and then she had confronted her partner and said, I found this thing. Usually like what I see with clients is that then the, then the whole conversation becomes about you broke my trust by snooping. And that's just like a shield. That's just like a, that's bullshit. (laughs) Yeah. That's because they don't want to, they don't want to be, because you were doing something wrong. Right. Right. So that's just like a dance around that. But so I don't know why, why we get so obsessed about it. Privacy obviously is important. And when you break someone's privacy, that's a kind of betrayal you have to process. But like, I don't think we talk enough about why you got to that point, especially if you're not someone who typically does this. Like what is going on in the relationship? And she said very little about, she said, things are a bit ambiguous and he's been acting really strange. What does that mean? Well, it sounds like she doesn't feel secure in, you know, right. in the relationship, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, okay, then drill down further. Why are you not secure in the relationship? What would you need? Why is it an ambiguous relationship? Did you guys decide it was going to be ambiguous? Is there some level of certainty that you could get that would help you, right? Like maybe this is time. Maybe the indicator is that you want to level up your commitment. Right. Maybe you've agreed to something that you're not a hundred percent comfortable with. Right. Or that you were comfortable with and now you're not anymore. Like the relationships change and you change through time. So like I would think about trying to figure out what that is first. 
in you before you even talk to the other person. Right. And then again, like, I know we're going to get like dragged for this. Cause I feel like I say this every week. I don't think you have to come clean about it, but I do think you have to have a conversation about the thing that's actually bugging you. Exactly. So if you realize like, Oh, okay. Like we, you know, it's been okay for me to be in an ambiguous place with this relationship until now, but I'm realizing that I'm no longer comfortable with that. Can we decide, can we level up the commitment? Can we do this? Can we, whatever, you know? I had a situation and I think I've talked about this before and it was many, many years ago, something had gone South mm-hmm. in a relationship, an event had happened. And my therapist at the time asked, asked me to break down like hour by hour kind of mm-hmm. what had happened and how I felt at certain moments. Mm-hmm. And it was so helpful to yeah. realize that like, you know, at six o'clock I could have done this at 10 o'clock. Yeah. I could have done this at midnight. Mm-hmm. I could have done this, you know, yeah. and it's, and it wasn't like a blame situation. It was just like, mm-hmm. really got me to think about like it, in this situation with the snooping, you could say like, I'm just throwing it out there. You know, maybe, maybe she got home from work and she was feeling like a little, you know, unsettled or unraveled, or yeah. maybe he did something and then like, you know, they had dinner and then he went to bed early and then she felt yeah. like, well, I don't have the answer to the question or I'm feeling a little, does it, am I making any sense? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It was very methodical and it was like, I could have done a couple things differently early Mm -hmm. in the, um, in the situation and the interaction that would have changed a lot. Yep. This is actually recognized what I was feeling. Sorry. Sorry. Yep. No, no, no. This is a tool called behavior chain analysis and it's super useful. It comes from, it's used mostly in DBT. I don't actually know if it comes from their dialectical behavioral therapy, but the idea is that you go, you take the thing. So you have a behavior you didn't want to do and Mm -hmm. you did it. And so you're like, okay, shit, what do I do now? Instead of just feeling shame and shame and cringing, as she said, every time she deals with this, it's like, okay, to unpack the hour, walk yourself back. Because if I ask you right off the bat, like, why did you do that? You're going to come up with some story that misses all of these opportunities that you could have done differently. And if you understand your behavior, then you understand yourself again. Right. And so you walk back and you say like, well, okay, at six o'clock, I, that's when I did the behavior at five o'clock, I was really agitated. And I thought maybe I should call my sister and I didn't, <laughs> I don't even know what <laughs> example you're talking about, but like, and then at four o'clock, I was really angry about a work thing and I didn't do anything about that. And then at three o'clock is usually when I have my snack and I didn't. And then, and you walk all the way back as far as you can remember. And you realize what kinds of things were stacked against you. Exactly. Then. And a lot of those things have nothing to do with the situation in which you behaved. Right. So at like, two o'clock, I went to the grocery store and there were a bunch of jackasses there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and the night before I stayed up too late watching TikTok right. because I was working too hard the day before. And so you like, it, it's super, super interesting to, to unpack your, your own behavior, not to shame yourself, but just to be like, oh, okay, I yep. see. And yep. I think the other thing you see in that situation is how much like we it's intuition is really hard to talk about because we are right enough times to make us think our intuition is infallible. And, but the thing is we, that's a confirmation bias. We miss all the times our intuition is completely wrong. And often mm-hmm. what's happening is that we have, we are telling ourselves a story. This is a totally natural brain thing. When you don't have enough details, you have to tell yourself a story for your brain to be comfortable. And then, but then what we don't realize is that we've made that story up and then we feed it. Right. 
So you have a story, you have a worry like, oh, he seems kind of weird. Maybe he's talking to somebody else. And then that worry starts getting fed all this like quote unquote data, but that's not real data. It's interpretation of things that may or may not be related to that. Right. And it's so interesting that she says, like, when when I when you first read this, and I was thinking, like, okay, sh- maybe she wants to be out of this relationship because she said, it sounds almost like she's like a little disappointed. Oh, she says that. Was there a part of me that was almost disappointed that I didn't find anything? And it was like, oh, okay, were you setting yourself up because you want to, like, unconsciously on some level, you want to be out of this relationship, so you're actually looking for something to right. let yourself free? But then now I'm thinking of like, no, this or that maybe maybe that is true, and she can see, decide if that resonates for her. But it's also that she built such an ironclad story that to find that story, like not true is a little bit shattering. Right. Even right. if it's like, that doesn't make sense to you. Cause you're like, wait, this is a good thing that he didn't, or that right. he wasn't talking to somebody else. Or, I mean, it, it also might be that like, you're not, you're looking for a little drama. You're looking for a little Ooh, yeah. energy. Yeah. From the relation that you're, maybe you're not getting yep. what you want. So you're looking to create a little friction or something. Yep. 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 That's so funny that you say that. I've been thinking that was like the theme of the week. I was talking to a client about this and then I was sitting in the, um, the waiting room at the doctor's office. And I had this like huge revelation about dis- about destructive behavior and relationships when we do destructive things and it doesn't make sense to us. And I wrote out this whole system. So here's my theory. You ready? Yep. This is random and I have not thought this through. Um, There's three kinds of destruction that you have when you're, when you're, when you're thinking about being self-destructive in a relationship, like why am I trying to destroy the relationship or cause drama? One is you pick things apart. Um, So you take tiny little micro interactions that you have and you go back and you're like, "Mm, did he really mean this? Or he didn't do that. Or, you know, my last person did this this way and blah, blah, blah. Um, The second way is picking yourself apart. I see this all the time where it's like, oh, I always do this in relationships and I'm bad at relationships and I failed in this way. These two are passive ways of destroying a relationship. And then there's a third way, which is actively creating destructive behavioral chaos. Mm. And that's when you like pick a fight, you cause a little drama, like, and there's something really interesting about the, this is going to sound like a contradiction, about the destructive like impulse, because it's not just destructive, it's creative. Oh, so you're okay. creating something you're create you, through destruction. You're creating some energy, some drama, some intrigue, some whatever some feedback, some like, yeah, you're looking for something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then I had too much coffee. I could can I <laughs> tell you the rest of the system. Does this make yes. sense? Is this like tracking? <laughs> yeah. So far. So the results, I'll tell you if you go off the rails. <laughs> okay. <laughs> The first two, so picking things apart and picking yourself apart are pretty passive. Usually you're doing that in your head. Yep. And the third way is active. You're out there like doing stuff. Lighting fires. Right. 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 (laughs) And the results, so number one, when you pick things apart, you end up overly critical, hypervigilant. You're obsessed with these tiny little moments in the relationship. You're not in the moment. Um, The results of the second way of picking yourself apart is that you're blaming yourself. You feel unworthy of your partner and you can accept bad or abusive behavior or not even notice it because you're trying Mm -hmm. to make it all, you're internalizing it. You're making it your fault. And then in the third way, when you're actively creating destructive behavioral chaos, 
by the way, I'm making this up. I just want to say that again. This is not a thing. Um, you're acting out of alignment with yourself or your values and potentially hurting other people by picking fights, causing drama, whatever. And then it's like, okay, here's where we get stuck because we shame ourselves. All of this feels bad. Like, what are we <laughs> doing? This is disorganized behavior. What the hell? Um, but look at, I made a small list of how are these things protective? Number one, they take you out of the moment. Number two, they protect you from emotions other than anxiety, which if you have a hypervigilant brain and nervous system, anxiety actually feels productive, familiar, and safe. Safety can feel the opposite. So if you're in like a healthy relationship for the first time, that can actually be really activating. Um, they keep you from vulnerability. They keep you from intimacy. They allow you to hold the other person at an arm's length. It makes yeah. you feel in control, in charge, and safe. And here's the kicker, the existential kick in the nuts. It shapes the world into something familiar. <laughs> so if your world has been scary, it continues to look that way. If relating yeah. has been scary or unsafe, it continues to look that way. So the world continues to conform to your past experience. And so likely with this, I don't think she said this, but like, I would imagine that there's been betrayal in the past. Did she say anything about that? No. That shaped her behavior, right? Mm -hmm. It does. Um, So that she's like waiting for the world. She's waiting for the other shoe to drop and it isn't. And that's stressful. And so she's like, oh, here, let me just shape the world. And I think the ultimate like kick in the nuts is that you will create what you're most afraid of. You will create what you're most afraid of. Guess what? (laughs) You are actually manifesting your worst fear. Yeah. Right? Yeah, because it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Because draw that out. What does that look like? Are you asking me? Yeah. What does it look like that that if you like if that's the way you live and that's what you think all the time and that's the way you operate in the world, that's what mm-hmm. will happen. You will attract that. Yeah. You will create it. That that's well, a law. And, <laughs> right. <laughs> and specifically in that relationship, like you're going to so so what has your relationship been like in these days when you're like in this paranoid space of like Oh, you know, oh, oh, what is he doing? Who's he talking to? What's like, that is going to, that is not a comfortable space for the other person. Even when they don't know what's going on, energetically, they're going to feel discomfort in the relationship. They feel discomfort in the relationship. There are other people in their life who do feel comfortable and they'll be more likely to spend time with those people and feel more disconnected from you. So it sows like, you know, disconnection in your relationship. And then that's going to eventually explode. This doesn't mean it's your fault right? Like when people do bad things to you and it doesn't mean you're like drawing in bad things, but I think we are energetically connected to the things that happen in ways that we don't want to look at sometimes. Yeah. Boom. I also think like in a situation like this, like it's incredibly, for me, it's been incredibly liberating and powerful to, and you don't have to say this to the other person. You can, if you want to, but like you can just not snoop. You can just decide that you're going to trust yeah. the other person and right. not because they are worthy or not worthy, but because like, in, because it's the way you want to live. Yes. That's a, yeah, that's an excellent point. I am going to trust you because I don't want to live any other way. Right. And right. listen, shit always comes out. Like, right. you know, people don't get away with stuff forever. So if you, there's you some don't need to look for it. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. But it's really like, you know what? I, I am just going to choose to trust you because that's a, an easier way for me to live. 
Yeah. And yeah. then I don't have to snoop and then I don't have right. to spend the energy worrying about it. Like, right. I'm just going to, and I know that sounds very easy and you know, it's not, it takes a long time to get to that point or yeah. it did for me, but it's powerful. It's a powerful thing to say. I think that's so right on. And I think we, we then assume, okay, once I've had this realization that I don't want to live this way, now I have to stop living this way immediately. And I think you need to do that like in seconds. Right. So like the next time you're like around, you know, something that you could snoop on his journal or his phone or like whatever, like, and you feel the impulse, just pause for a second, like notice the impulse and say like, Oh, here it is again. Yeah. And instead of going to war with it, just notice it and say, okay, I want to do this. Can I wait five minutes? Yep. And distract myself by folding the laundry or whatever, looking at Instagram. And then in five minutes, does the impulse feel as strong? Okay. Can I wait another five minutes? Now, can I wait 20 minutes? Like, and just kind of give yourself those little, um, I don't know the word, those little like milestones, because it's hard to stop doing something once you've done it. Cause there's that, like that impulse is going to continue to go to that place, you know? Right. But yeah, no, I think that's, that's an excellent point. Cause it's, if you blow that out, you don't actually, all these questions are unanswerable. So this was ultimately like completely unsatisfying because you, you end up at the end of the situation with 15 questions. Am I going to do this all the time? What was the plan if I did find something? Was there a part of me that was almost disappointed that I didn't? And I bet, even though she doesn't say this, there's still a lingering question about like, what about the stuff I didn't find? So there was nothing on his phone, but what about his computer? You know, like... Right, I didn't find anything in his journal, but maybe he has a secret journal that's in this other place. You know, like it's, it's, that impulse is never going to be satisfied. Right. That's, that's, that's another like message that we get from the world. Like, you know, I I mean, and you and I are like major offenders of like, you know, true crime and like, oh, I know, you know, like you, you immerse yourself in this, like, you know, you don't know the person you're sleeping next to. You never really right. know when they could be in, you know, and it, it's like, oh my God, you know? Right, right. It's exhausting. Right. right. But people love it. And, you know, yeah, yeah. it's it's fascinating and, and compelling. And it, but it, it goes back to this thing that I think we're grappling with uncertainty on this huge level and we're getting the missed message or we're misinterpreting the message that if we just are paranoid enough, we won't end up married to the Golden State Killer. And that's not true. The Golden State Killer was married. He had grandchildren. He had a job. He mowed his lawn. He had neighbors and friends. Like, Right. When people want to deceive you, they will. Right. And that's a scarier thing to admit about the world. That's a very uncertain feeling. And so we want to say like, no, no, no. If I just get paranoid enough. If I listen to enough true crime, I can protect myself. You can't, which is not to say dig your head in the sand and ignore major red flags, you know, pay attention to how you're feeling, you know? Yeah. Not what the other person is doing, but how you're feeling like, yeah. How do I feel in this person's presence? Yes, totally. And if it doesn't make sense yet, it will. Right. But notice, I don't feel safe in this, but I feel like, mm, I feel like they're hiding something. Yep. Okay. That's something to think about. File yeah. away. Keep it in mind. Right. Or, or have the discussion. You know, I, I, I have, you know, yeah. some stuff in my past and I, I'm, uh, you know, I'm trying really hard, but mm-hmm, my mm-hmm. tendency is to go to kind of a dark place sometimes. And mm-hmm. 
Um, I, I know that you haven't done anything to warrant that, but I just want you to know where I'm coming from. You know, a hundred percent. Be honest. I'm obsessed with this idea that, that, um, it's the simplest things are the hardest to say mm-hmm. to the people that are closest to us. Like mm-hmm. I feel scared is like, I'm afraid, right. I'm getting attached. I don't know. That makes me nervous. Right. That's for some reason, like a very simple, very clear thing. That's very hard to say to another human yeah. being. You're right. We should work on that. I mean, like that sounds mean. I mean that like all of us. <laughs> Yeah. You know, myself very much included, but also letter writer, you have nothing to be ashamed of. This is a very normal thing. Everybody snoops. Everybody <laughs> snoops. Someone's going to write some in level. and be like, I, well, I'm the one that doesn't. Like, okay. Okay. Yeah. Good for you. For, for now. <laughs> right. <laughs> Keep us in mind for that moment when you don't. You know? Right. <laughs> okay. Um, do you have a tiny little joy? I do. What is it? Ready? Yep. <laughs> My tiny little joy is Willie Nelson. Oh. <laughs> Have I, I said Willie this Nelson. before? No. I love him and it makes me so happy. He makes me so happy. All of his music makes me so happy. The New York Times did this like fabulous profile on him. Um, I'll send it to you. He's had like 97 albums. Oh my God. 97, like an incredible career, but there's because mom listened to him all the time. Yeah. One of our brothers named a stuffed animal, Willie Nelson. I mean, it was, it Mm. it was like a big part of our childhood. (laughs) Um, Yours too, right? Oh my God. I was just thinking I had this little, this little uh, Walkman and I I was probably like seven or something, but I was like really stressed about the world (laughs) and I was having trouble (laughs) sleeping. And so I would listen to the Willie Nelson double-sided cassette that had sunny side of the street. Yeah. And I would like, that would be my little like mantra to myself. Like as I was going to fourth grade, what was my role (laughs) of like, you just got to walk on the sunny side of the street. It's going to be okay. That's nice. That's nice. It's nice. But also like, what was wrong with me? (laughs) You were like, I don't know. You were flayed wide open and feeling all the things. That's not wrong. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with that. Willie Nelson helped. (laughs) He does help. It's just very comforting. You know, Mm -hmm. he has a Christmas album that I've been been listening to like nonstop. And it's just like, there's that, remember mom had that Stardust? Do you know that one? Yes, of course. That's the one that's That was on the, yeah. It's just like sounds of your childhood. And I don't know. It's, um, It's very, very soothing and is bringing me a lot of joy right now. I love that. Yeah. Thanks. I'm going to, now I'm going to go listen to the Christmas. I didn't know he had a Christmas album or I forgot. He has such a great voice. And like when you he read does. this profile of him, it's, I mean, it's just, his career has been unbelievable. You know, 97 albums is a lot of albums. He wrote, you know, the song crazy from Patsy yeah. Klein. He yeah. wrote that. I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. What's yours? <laughs> Mine is my, um, I'm getting so much joy out of doing whatever the hell I want on the holidays. And I know that like, people are going to be like, Oh, I can't do what I want, but like you can, and this is what it feels like joy. (laughs) (laughs) I am making whatever kinds of Christmas cookies I want, eating however many of them I want. I have this big ridiculous tree that has nothing underneath it and has one present like, and I don't care. It's just for me. And I think a lot of people like are like, oh, it's just for me. I don't want to put up a tree. I had a, a couple of clients this week who are struggling with decorating and like 
what do I do if I'm alone? You do what you want. And I think it's so interesting that it takes us so long to get to what we want because we're so used to thinking about what we should do or whatever. And it's like, I want a big ridiculous tree. I want it to be lit all the time, 24 hours a day, even though it's sunny out. I want it to have 5,000 ridiculous ornaments on it. And it does. I love it. And it makes you happy. Yep. And it makes me happy. Yep. I love that. And I, but it's like, it's kind of hilarious the amount of joy I get out of it. It feels like rebellion, even though like who, who, there's nobody here to rebel against. Like, it's just, (laughs) it's not like anyone's in here telling me that I have to do it, but it's, I don't know. There's something so freeing about that. Just lean into that, you know? Yeah. And it's, it is, it's bringing a lot of joy every time I see the tree or plug it in or look at the, like I have a LaCroix ornament. Um, I have tacos on the tree. Like it's not pretty or organized or, you know, whatever, but I just, I love it's it. just joyful. It's just joyful. Yep. I was reading, there was like a design blog and someone like made this really great, great point that I never thought about when it starts to get dark so early, why not have all these lights in your house? Yeah, like why not totally. just bring in more light, you know, yep. because you're yep. trying to make up for the, you know, the darkness outside. And I was like, God, I never thought about that, but that makes like perfect sense. It does. You know, it does. It's so cozy. It is. It is. It's a way to kind of like counteract what's going on outside. Yeah. And if you put them on the floor, if you don't want to hang them up or you don't have the energy or whatever, just like string them around the perimeter of the room, like whatever works for you, you know? Right. Totally. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Okay. Rate, review, subscribe, and follow us on the Trauma Tapes. Um, look, we, you can submit uh, uh, at tapes at gmail.com. Also, our website, thetraumatapes.com. You can submit anonymously. We never share your information. Um, Lisa doesn't even see it. I just take it and strip your name out. So I will never tell. I'm a vault. Um, send us letters if you want help with shame. Thank you. Thank you. See you next time. Bye-bye. Thank <laughs> you.